Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes industry-ready professionals in all STEM fields. Operating Engineers, Local 825. Choose New Jersey. IBEW Local 102, lighting the path, leading the way. Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, moving the region through air, land, rail, and sea. Holy name. This place is different. And by NJM Insurance Group, serving New Jersey's drivers, homeowners, and business owners for more than 100 years. Promotional support provided by NJ Biz, providing business news for New Jersey for more than 30 years, online, in print, and in person. And by New Jersey Globe. Hi, this is Steve Adubato, everything you wanted or needed to know about higher education, not just in New Jersey, but across the nation. The panel that you're about to meet, they'll tell you because they are living it every day. We have uh, our good friend Marjorie Perry, who's president and CEO of MZM Construction Management and a trustee of our production company, the Caucus Educational Corporation, Michelle Sikirka. You know Michelle from being with us and a lot of other stuff. She's the president and CEO of the New Jersey Business and Industry Association. And we're honored to also have Dr. Brian Bridges, New Jersey Secretary of Higher Education. Good to have you all with us. Good to Great see to you, Steve. Here. Mr. Secretary, let me ask you this. Uh, the state of higher education in New Jersey, give us your assessment, particularly as we go into May 2022. This will be seen later. How are we doing in higher ed, particularly dealing with COVID and beyond? Sure. Well, thank you, uh, Steve, for the invitation and being here. Uh, the state of higher education in, in New Jersey is strong. The Murphy administration has invested over $150 million in new additional funding in higher education uh, during his term in office. And we're working to make college more affordable through initiatives like our Community College Opportunity Grant and our Garden State Guarantee, which is launching this fall. So we are happy to say that uh, students have more opportunity to attend college and university in New Jersey than they ever had before. And our institutions have been uh, buoyed a bit by the federal investments uh, through the uh, corona coronavirus relief uh, packages, as well as the, uh, the higher education uh, relief fund and uh, emergency relief fund. And so uh, they're coming out of the pandemic uh, and looking to try to strengthen their position and bring more students back to campus. Appreciate that. Michelle, let me ask you before I go to Marjorie, is there any part of what the secretary said that you see differently in terms of the higher ed environment in New Jersey? I wouldn't say differently. I'd say that, you know, we've had our eye on affordability and attractability uh, to keep our next generation worker here in the state of New Jersey. And we see strides in that direction. I will say that we see um, good collaboration between business 
academia, uh, as well as bringing in our students. And when we talk about academia, we talk about, you know, K-16 and, and, and beyond. Uh, we're proud to be in a partnership with the New Jersey Community College Consortia with an $8.5 million grant on career pathways and high demand jobs. I want to come back, though, to that issue about what we're doing to focus specifically on in-demand jobs, because I think that's a critical sure. point for us right now. We're going to come back to that, but Marjorie, let me ask you. There's a lot of issues here, and, and you and, and let everyone know what MZM construction and management is, and then I'll come back to my question. Let everyone know, Marjorie. Uh, we are a construction and engineering company that works on very high-profile projects throughout the United States of America, primarily the East Coast, infrastructure projects, airports, hotels, et cetera. But, but Marjorie, let me ask you this, and, and I won't personalize this other than the fact that I know that uh, we're not alone in this. I, I very much wanted our children to go to New Jersey institutes of higher learning. Uh, I'm a Rutgers grad, uh, Montclair State undergraduate. Um, I did my graduate work, blah, 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 at Rutgers. Uh, that didn't happen. Two at Fordham, one about to go to college, and um, let's just say it's likely he's not going to wind up in a New Jersey school. The so-called brain drain. Even for those of us who are bullish on New Jersey, we're losing too many of our kids, are, they're young adults, to institutions of higher learning in other state, states. Am I exaggerating that, Marjorie Perry? No, no. You know, the, the, the issue that we have with our higher education today is that we have great schools. There's no question about that. Uh, I'm, I'm a graduate of Kane University and NJIT. Oh, did I drop Harvard in there? No, but uh, anyway. Okay, no, no, yeah, <laughs> you did that last time. Check out our last interview with Marjorie where she brags about Harvard. Go ahead, go ahead. But here's, things have changed now. Um, I just had a parent that called the other day who Delaware State is offering their kid to come to Delaware University and offered them $20,000. I could only get $6,000 out of one of our state schools here. That's where we're going to start seeing the brain drain. So what I did was move some of my scholarship dollars over to save this kid to stay in the state of New Jersey. He was out. But that's one at a leaving. time, Marjorie. That's not policy. That's great that you did that. But what do we need to change, Marjorie? And I'll come back to Michelle in a second. I think that uh, someone like Dr. Bridges, uh, Michelle, uh, people like myself, other CEOs of universities, we have to sit down and do a think tank among ourselves, businesses, industry, what we need. Uh, Michelle and I were on a, a board last week about labor shortage. Right. A lot of kids don't want to go to, they don't care if you're giving them free college. They are not interested in going to school right now. So you have a tripod of issues coming at the same time. If my son can get $80,000 over at Delaware State, he's going to go there. Talk to someone last night, their kid is getting more money to go to Drexel. So we, we have to come up with some kind of policy effectively so Dr. Bridges can go back to the administration and say, hey, listen, if we want to keep and retain, these are some of the new ideas we need to come up with and be adaptive and be clear about that. Michelle, I'll come back to you. But Dr. Bridges, I, this isn't the first time you've heard this <laughs> and you're not responsible for all of it. You can't pull this off by yourself. But <laughs> if other universities and colleges and other places around the country are offering they're just saying, come on, and we're going to show me the money. Okay, New Jersey is not doing that, can't do that. But you were just saying that the funding levels have gone up. But those who say it's very hard to compete. Go ahead, Secretary. Well, thank you for the opportunity to address this issue around out-migration, because it's technically a bit overstated. And it is. Uh, it is a bit overstated. And actually, we 
uh, I, I testified in front of the assembly uh, for our budget hearing yesterday, and this came up. This is a regular co topic of conversation. And uh, when you look at the net, the out migration issue, it's a complex uh, matter that has several factors in, at play. One, uh, the incredible quality of K through 12 schools in New Jersey makes uh, our students uh, prime targets for offers from around the country. Two, two, we have a high income state where there are several families who can't afford to send their kids out of state. And you know, when these kids come from privilege, they often wanna go and venture out and do something different, like go to Harvard or go to uh, other, other schools uh, yes. in, in other places. Uh, but Harvard's so, gotten enough plugs, third, enough plugs for Harvard. They don't need any more. No, they don't need any more. <laughs> but then third, also, the nation is experiencing a decline in secondary school enrollments leading yes. to increased competition for students, as has been pointed out already. So when you look at all those factors, and then when you look at the data over the last 50 years, over the last 50 years, Steve, year in, year out, no matter what the state has tried, the, the percentage of students leaving the state stays around 30%, around 30%, around a third of the students who graduate from high school every year leave the state to go elsewhere. And when you talk to a lot of folks who come back, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that, um, that a lot of these out-migrants come back to New Jersey to live. And so when we're competing against states like Pennsylvania and New York, which have more than twice, in some instances, three times the number of institutions that we have in New Jersey, it's you know, New Jersey will always be a place that is prime target for other institutions to recruit. Michelle, uh, the secretary says they, a lot of them come back. Uh, and you've been on with us in the past, from, talking about the economics of this, of the brain drain. A lot of them, respectfully, Secretary, a lot of them don't come back and they spend their money and they settle with their families and they have jobs other places and, quote, we lose them. Go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, two points. Yeah, 18 to 34 year olds are still the largest out migration population from the state of New Jersey. And so embedded in that are those that go to, you know, that are beyond even the, the college experience. So uh, we need to focus on them because that's our future, our future workforce. But, you know, attractability. Um, we, you know, we we launched a branding campaign right before COVID, unfortunately, so it didn't get legs. But this state is not um, visible when it comes to, you know, higher ed as a as a brand. And I could tell you, Steve, unfortunately, my kids were the same as yours. Right? I couldn't get them to look at New Jersey schools um, because New Jersey schools weren't pitching them like everybody out of state was. I go to the mailbox every day, 50, and I have twins, okay? So 50, 100 applications are falling out and brochures all from out of state. Um, and I'm like, where's Rutgers? Where's Kane? Where, where are those, you know, state schools pitching my kids? And so we realized, and JBIA led in our education equation report, the number one recommendation, let's brand this state. Because when you ask those students what they want, they want exactly what this state can deliver, right? They want we a competitive- have the We have the goods. We have the goods. can compete. We can compete. Right. So so let's do it. Let's get our gloves on and let's compete. Let's get that visibility lifted up to these kids and say why you should stay here and why you have a great opportunity staying here. So okay, I know you want to jump back in, but a lot of the discussion about it, I have to say this, making higher ed institutions in Jersey. I don't like using this word. We're in public broadcasting, but in all seriousness, sexier. Because when I kids like, what about why? I ask them why that's cool. Well, there's something about their basketball. They're, they're, it's the students, you know, I see their logo everywhere. It seems like a, it's a great, everyone's talking about it. I'm thinking, what? And I'm trying to pitch. Go ahead, Secretary, jump back in, and I'll come to you, Marjorie. 
Now, I was just going to say that uh, to the points that have been made thus far, there is uh, quite a bit of the capacity issue is something that we have to be mindful of as well. 90% of the students who attend our public institutions actually are from New Jersey. So our institutions are bursting. Prior, prior to COVID, our institutions were bursting uh, in accommodating, right. enrolling. They don't have the capacity, Secretary Bridges? Uh, I think a lot of them, if you were to talk to the leaders, a lot of them wouldn't have the capacity, especially housing traditional age students to bring them more than to campus. Uh, a lot of them wouldn't have the capacity. Marjorie, go uh, ahead. You know, can I say something, Dr. Bridges? You can say anything you, know, you want. I'm the chair of the board for the foundation for NGIT. One of the biggest issues we have is getting funding from the state so we can keep our state, our kids in these schools. And we need to, we, we get such a small percentage now from the state just from our allocated dollars. So, you know, I'm always looking at, you know, what else can we do to raise money? So, and I'm, I'm looking more at our black and brown children who, you know, is falling off at a faster rate than any other group to even want to think about going to college. Do you know, where, where does the state say we have to start increasing support dollars to the university? That's all your state schools across the board. And that's a real big pain point for us. I mean, we're out hustling all day, every day. But Marjorie, respectfully, sorry for interrupting, Marjorie, but Secretary Bridges started this program. This is a, you know, I always, I, I'm a fan of the term separate realities. It comes from Dr. Richard Carlson in his book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. I said, what are, what are separate realities? Well, Secretary Bridges was saying, that the Murphy administration is spending more in higher ed. You know, it, it's, it's, it's significant. And you're saying we're out there. Well, we haven't seen it enough. yet. So maybe it's okay, coming. But, but Secretary, but how, there are separate realities. Yes, we've increased okay, operating ahead. aid to, to institutions. And actually, with our new outcomes-based allocation funding formula, NJIT will see an increase. Now, if you're looking for a $200 million increase, that's probably not, not going to happen. Dr. Bridges, why not? That'd be great. <laughs> Listen, well, you know, it sounds like Marjorie's lobbying right here on public television. Yes, yes, yes. Secretary. The state has lots of obligations. But I will say that we've invested significantly in our students. And New Jersey actually awards more student aid dollars per student than any other state in the country. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD. And follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. NJM Insurance Company has been serving New Jersey policyholders for more than 100 years. But just who are NJM's policyholders? They're the men and women who teach our children, the public sector employees who maintain our infrastructure, the workers who craft our manufactured goods, and New Jersey's next generation of leaders, the people who make our state a great place to call home. NJM, we've got New Jersey covered. All right, so let's, let's shift gears. There are a significant number of students, and this is not debatable, I don't believe, a significant number of students who start college in New Jersey and across the nation, but in New Jersey, that do not finish. Michelle, are we seeing a significant amount of that A and B? Does it make the trades or non-traditional for less than four-year institutions more attractive? Because it makes more sense for more younger people. Please, Michelle. 
Yeah, so let me say, I, I believe in lifelong learning, um, but I have really come to understand that it does not need to be the usual trajectory of straight up K-16, like the way I came up, okay? I'm an attorney by trade, so I believe in lifelong learning. What we can do to address the affordability aspects, right, is recognize, earn and learn, ergo the brand, okay? Uh, Learn more, earn more, be more in the state of New Jersey. That's the that's the branding campaign we're getting to go with uh, to say to students, stack credentials along the way. Let's look at how we give academic credit as well as credentials for life experience. What does that mean? Credentials so, for, for example, give us an example, Michelle. Skills, skills. So I took a six-week course in how to build this widget, and I passed the test. I now have a certificate that says I know how to build that widget. Guess what? That certificate has a value to it. Now, if I can get academic credit for that certificate in addition to additional academic credit for my life experience for the four years I've been working with that certificate, I got a leg up. All right. Affordability. Let's get our act together on transfer credits, okay? I mean, this is something what does that-, that mean? Oh my gosh. So, you know, a, a student goes from one school to another and they have to retake Psych 101 because the curriculum does not line up exactly as it did. Maybe from an out of state school or even a community. I, well, that's my, you know, I, I'm only stating the, the challenge that we've been trying to bring a solution to. And I know it's a very difficult solution to get to, but this is the type of think tank, as Marjorie said. I, I think we pick five priorities that address affordability because guess what? If that kid is retaking a, a a course for the value and cost. That's right. And you know what? They're already a transfer student, which means they might be behind. So guess what? Their momentum is dying at the same time, right? We see students who drop out and want to get back. And if they can't get credit for those credits they already have, they're inclined not to come back because they can't afford it and they won't take the time. I'm going to give the secretary a chance to respond. Secretary, I hope you don't regret agreeing to do the program. (laughs) Please, Secretary Bridges. I, I, I appreciate these opportunities to clarify things. So with our affordability agenda, with the Community College Opportunity Grant and the Garden State Guarantee, we're reducing barriers and obstacles to financial barriers and obstacles for students to uh, enroll and realize that college is a feasibility for them. If you're from the lowest income categories below $65,000, you'd qualify to get your tuition and fees free at a two-year and a four-year institution if you take advantage of both. Um, But then also, Michelle just touched on something that uh, we're launching this year in the governor's proposed budget is a program we're calling the Some College No Degree Initiative, which is designed What's it called? Some College No Degree. We, there are almost a million people in New Jersey with some college credit, but no degree. They started college and never completed. That's almost 15% of the adult workforce. And what we want to do, 80% of those people started at a community college. We want to re-engage them this year. We want to track them down, identify them, provide them personalized re-enrollment supports. And one of the things we want to do is to shorten their time to degree by awarding credit for work experience through prior learning assessments. Exactly what Michelle just talked about. Michelle, excuse me, Marjorie, I'm going to give you 30 seconds, uh, if you could, the trades and higher education, because that's a world you know very well. Please. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, Michelle was dead on what she just said. We have to start looking at alternative pathways to a degree. Uh, and we have to bring the trades in. We have to have them with some skill set because theory and practicum is not lining up. That's why we have a work shortage that we have today. So if somehow we can continue to combine that and ship shape the curriculum, we'll be good to go. I think that'll be a great opportunity for our kids. Uh, Marjorie, thank you. Michelle, thank you. Uh, Mr. Secretary, thank you. Uh, the future of higher education. Let's just say this. Um, 
is a topic worthy of discussion. That's all I'm going to say. So thanks, all, thanks to all of you. Uh, stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, and follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. NJM Insurance Company has been serving New Jersey policyholders for more than 100 years. But just who are NJM's policyholders? They're the men and women who teach our children, the public sector employees who maintain our infrastructure, the workers who craft our manufactured goods, and New Jersey's next generation of leaders, the people who make our state a great place to call home. NJM, we've got New Jersey covered. We are honored now to be joined by Dr. Rod Priestley, Dean of the Graduate School at Princeton University and Professor of Chemical and Biological Engineering. Good to see you, Professor. Great to see you too, Steve. Delighted to be here. Uh, you got it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump right into this. You have been involved in innovation research, several hold several patents, right? Correct. One of them is around a water purification system. Talk to us about what that is because Newsweek made a big deal about it because it is a big deal. Please, Dr. Priestley. Great. Um, you know, what we developed in, in my lab was a new material that allows you to purify water from impaired sources, not utilizing electricity, but utilizing sunlight. So you can think of it like a big sponge. When you bring this sponge in contact with an impaired water source, it absorbs only pure water and filters out all of the impurities, say all of the leads, all of the nitrates, all of the bacteria. Then when you take this sponge and you expose it to sunlight, it squeezes out all of that pure water. So now you have access to pure water. And the beauty again about this technology is that you can run it off a sustainable energy source and it's also modular. So you can scale it up, but you can also use it as point of source. Have you always been fascinated by science, um, biology, engineering, et cetera? Have you always been fascinated by it? I have. I, when I think about my earliest moments in, in school, in elementary school, I can recall being fascinated by science and in particular, chemistry. And I remember when I was in high school, my high school chemistry teacher, Ms. Harrison, who I remember very fondly of, used to write handwritten notes and send them home to my mother and say that Rod should go into chemistry. I never thought I would. And surprisingly, I did. And not chemistry, I'd say, but chemical engineering, which really merged my interests in chemistry as well as kind of the quantitative sciences. Where'd you grow up? Houston, Texas. Wonderful. So, so try this one. I'm curious about the connection between academia research, innovation, and entrepreneurship. Complicated, I know. Please share. Excellent. Look, when I, when I think about this, this is about Princeton fulfilling its informal model and being in the nation's service and in the service of humanity. Academic institutions like Princeton have been beacons of knowledge generation, but we have a responsibility to make sure that that knowledge that we develop makes it out into the real world and have an impact. And so when you speak about this complex connection between research innovation and entrepreneurship. What we're trying to do is bring our research that we do here on campus closer to the communities that we are part of. And one of the ways we can think about doing that and one of the quickest ways we can think about doing that is through something called academic entrepreneurship. This academic is entrepreneurship, go ahead. Yes, 
This is where our faculty and our students who develop the technology, who develop the ideas, are part of the creation of a new company that brings that technology to the marketplace. So I'm gonna follow up on this. The impact of what you're describing, this kind of innovation, entrepreneurship, creativity, research, the impact on the quote, New Jersey economy. Can you quantify it or clarify it, please? Definitely, let's think about it this way. When a faculty member or a Princeton student creates a new company, that new company we hope becomes local in New Jersey. And in fact, we've developed spaces um, within the, the, the region in which Princeton faculty can create these companies. Not only does the student who's trained at Princeton stay in New Jersey and create this company, but they then hire locally and they bring in talent to help build these companies to further develop the technology. And so when you think about this connection, it is seamless. We go from research to innovation to entrepreneurship. That leads to the creation of new ventures, new startups in town. We have to then recruit talent to actually come and work at those startups. And so thereby you can see the connection to academic entrepreneurship and economic development, job creation, et cetera. Dr. Priestley, what is ICOR? Yes, ICOR is actually a federally mandated program that's run by the National Science Foundation, which is the one of the largest funding arms for um, the American government. And so ICOR is the National Science Foundation's program to help faculty and students decide whether or not the technology and the research that they are developing actually has commercial um, opportunity. And if it does have commercial opportunity, then the National Science Foundation supports Princeton faculty and their students to actually create startups. And so again, when you think about something like the National Science Foundation, which has a storied history of supporting basic fundamental research, they also have a vested interest in seeing that research have an impact on society. And i is step one in which NSF actually brings faculty together and allow them to do customer discovery, business market development on their research to see whether or not there is in fact a research or commercial opportunity. Doctor, do you, do you sense, we just did a, a, now this discussion on the future of higher education with folks from different perspectives, including the secretary uh, of higher education. Uh, but I'm curious about this. Do you believe that more and more institutions of higher learning, Princeton just being one of them, a special, unique one, but one of many, that are looking at what they do and how they do it in dramatically different ways so that what they do and how they do it has a much greater impact from a, dare I say, applied research perspective as opposed to a purely, exclusively theoretical research perspective. I know you know where I'm coming from. Yes, and I'll, I'll answer this in, in two parts. The, the first part is, is yes, institutions like Princeton are thinking about how their research can have a greater impact. And a lot of this is driven by our students. A lot of this is driven by our faculty. They wanna see a closer connection to the work that they're doing in the labs and the impact that it can have on society. The other point that I'll make is that academic institutions, even if they're doing fundamental research, the impact and implications are there. It just may not be so clear and say, or immediate within say two to five years, but academic research, you know, whether or not, you know, translational or foundational sets the basis for future technologies. Those future technologies can be a few years away, or those future technologies can be 30 years away. Things that we're not even thinking about yet, but the groundwork has to be laid via basic academic research. Well said. Um, you've joined us for the first time, Dr. Priestley. I hope it will not be on the last. Dr. 
Rod Priestley is Dean of the Graduate School uh, at Princeton University and also Professor of Chemical and Biological Engineering. Um, professor, thank you so much for me. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm Steve Arabata. We thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, and follow us on Twitter at steveadubato. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by New Jersey Institute of Technology. Operating Engineers, Local 825. Choose New Jersey. IBEW Local 102. Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Holy Name. And by... NJM Insurance Group. Promotional support provided by NJ Biz and by New Jersey Globe. NJM Insurance Company has been serving New Jersey policyholders for more than 100 years. But just who are NJM's policyholders? They're the men and women who teach our children, the public sector employees who maintain our infrastructure, the workers who craft our manufactured goods, and New Jersey's next generation of leaders the people who make our state a great place to call home. NJM, we've got New Jersey covered. Right now, families all across New Jersey are struggling with hunger and their financial futures remain uncertain. You can be the hope for our hungry neighbors in need in a time when that need is still so great. The Community Food Bank of New Jersey, the state's largest anti-hunger, anti-poverty organization, is filling the emptiness caused by hunger with food, help, and hope. Go to cfbnj.org now to join us.